This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Citizen Capital Studio in a rainy Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. And let me say, if you haven't uh, subscribed over on Patreon and aren't watching the live stream, you missed out on a pretty good conversation about bread before we came on the air. That's right. That's right. Well, it's more than just about bread. It's about the uh, history of uh, sedentary lifestyle. and life. Yes. Bit, society building. <laughs> pretty deep stuff. Just some of the perks you get when you subscribe over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Anything to say, or should we just jump into the newscast here? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what's uh, what's to say that we can't say in the next few minutes. There was, uh, I guess, one one thing we we messed up on today's coverage is there <laughs> there was a, a a hearing in the House about social media <laughs> and filtering. And as you can imagine, it was basically set up for Republican congressmen and women, Republican representatives, uh, to have meltdowns about chain mail conspiracy theories (laughs) about Facebook censoring conservatives. Yeah, and uh, promoting the Gateway Pundit. Yeah, yeah. Steve King was uh, asking about asking a Facebook witness about the Gateway Pundit, who, of course, is a far right Islamophobic piece of shit who... uh, Basically is wrong a lot as well. Yeah. And and blames people for terrorist attacks that they didn't do. So uh yeah. Yeah. Steve King wants Facebook to elevate that guy. Yeah, pretty pretty bizarre hearing. Didn't make the cut for today's newscast. Um but I have a feeling we will talk a little bit more about it in the zine later this week, which is also available to our Patreon subscribers. Three dollars. And up, and, and just to reiterate, check it out for five dollars. You get both. You, you get, get you zine, get the zine get and the live stream. Live stream. Get your own haiku and written by the Sams and read on air in the Sentinel Cast, the weekly. And you get the Sentinel, Sentinel Cast that comes out every Friday. Plus, you get bonus content. We do random interviews with people and just post them on Patreon. So, a lot of perks, a lot of stuff you get. It's Tuesday. July 17th, 2018. Here's the news. President Trump has sort of walked back remarks he made yesterday during his press conference in Helsinki with Vladimir Putin. Here was the president explaining his error today at the White House. I realize that there is a need for some clarification. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russian. So just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. And the sentence should have been, And I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video. 
The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. Sure. <laughs> totally. Probably. Totally clarifies probably things. Probably clarifies things. It's the pretty, old pretty double well. negative that got him again. <laughs> now, Trump also said in, in the uh, same little melee there, quote, I have felt very strongly that while Russia's actions had no impact at all on the outcome of the election, let me be totally clear in saying that I accept our American intelligence community's conclusion that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election took place. And then he added, quote, could be other people also. There's a lot of people out there. (laughs) He's just incapable. Amazing. He's just incapable of just stopping right there. He's got to throw in some other things, throw some doubt in. Right, and because, as we noted on yesterday's show, he's a very insecure person and doesn't want any illegitimacy cast on his election, which, by the way, by itself was illegitimate based on the fact that the Electoral College is stupid and makes no fucking sense. Uh, (laughs) You know, same reason why George W. Bush's first election was uh, totally illegitimate doesn't necessarily mean that Trump and Putin are working together, but the press conference and his sort of walking back and and other stuff has led to renewed liberal howls of treason. Because yesterday the Justice Department announced it had charged a 29-year-old Russian woman, Maria Butina, with attempting to use the NRA to quietly advance the interests of the Russian government. Dianne Feinstein, the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, reacted to the news saying, quote, Today's complaint is another development in the ongoing investigation into Russia's efforts to attack our democracy. The underlying charges in the indictment were based on the same law they used to nail Paul Manafort initially. Bettina was charged with the heinous crime of failing to register under FARA. Not exactly earth-shattering stuff. Same stuff Michael Flynn has been hit with. Of course, Flynn was not doing it on behalf of Russia. He was doing it on behalf of Turkey, which is why you're not hearing as much about Flynn's failure to register under FARA lately. But uh, I guess a couple things to note here from this Butina indictment. Reading through it, a lot of people are throwing around the word spy and how Butina was cultivating people within the Republican Party. I mean, she was an influence, an influencer, like a lobbyist, essentially, and she was operating without registering. Um, that's a little different than spying and espionage, and it seems pretty clear that that she was trying to curry favor with the Republican Party, which had historically, according to her analysis and whatever the, the her, her people she was answering to in Russia, had, had uh, taken on a line that was hostile toward Russia, the Republican Party had, and they were trying to improve relations through the Republican Party, because you might remember, I mean, a lot of people look at Obama and Putin as these huge rivals. But in 2012, Putin was talking about how he wanted Obama to get reelected. Yeah, we felt like he could work with Obama because Mitt Romney had said that Russia's our right. number one. Right. So at the foe. time, Democrat Democrats were considered by Russia to be more favorable to them, whereas Russia was the hardline part or Republicans were the hardline party toward Russia. So this appeared to be. I mean, foreign lobbying is huge in this town. Yeah. It's appeared to be that unregistered. Of course, since the Russia angle and everything, that's why all the terms like spy are being thrown around. But also, last thing to add on this, she was working on this back in 2015, long before Trump announced he was going to start running for president 
under the Republican Party ticket. So the the effort by Russia to reach out to the Republican Party in hopes of advancing their interests date prior to Trump announcing his presidency and arguably don't have much to do with Trump other than the fact that he became the nominee. Yeah, the uh, what struck me as well is the the underlying language uh, in the in the complaint talks about her goals, which was to set up a back channel. Yeah, like that's not that, to like steal information no, or steal secrets. No, and, but to not to steal a donor's list, not yeah. to steal anything. It was uh, basically to improve relations between the Republican Party and Russia. It yeah, not not really earth shattering stuff. I I fail to see this as being some as Diane Feinstein described it some giant part of a giant attack on democracy well one day after the feds charged Butina Russian national with illegally lobbying Republicans through the National Rifle Association the Treasury Department adopted new rules that would allow political groups like the NRAs to further hide their donors from overseers late Monday Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin revealed that nonprofit groups involved in political activity, so-called 501c4s, will no longer have to disclose their donors to the IRS. These groups already didn't have to disclose their donors to the public, but they did have to notify the government of who was giving them more than $5,000. Not anymore, though. In 2016, these dark money groups spent more than $43 million on the presidential election and tens of millions of dollars more on Senate and House races— according to the Center for Responsive Politics, that includes spending both uh, by conservative and liberal groups like Planned Parenthood. But conservative groups are by far the biggest spenders here. The NRA, the Chamber of Commerce, and the Koch Brothers Americans for Prosperity were the largest dark money spenders last election cycle. Frequent guest of this show, Brendan Fisher at the Campaign Legal Center, noted disclosures to the IRS, quote, was one of the few ways that the government could identify illegal foreign money in elections. Today, that requirement is gone. Dark money just got a lot darker. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has benefited and will continue to benefit from dark money groups, applauded the rule change, calling it, quote, a move in the right direction to end activist regulators' culture of intimidation to silence political speech. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the activist regulators making sure Chinese oligarchs aren't trying to funnel money into Jeb Bush's campaign again, <laughs> which they did, which they did succeed in doing. Now they can do it much, much easier. Today, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell testified before the Senate Banking Committee. One subject that came up was the rigor of the Trump administration's regulatory regime, or lack thereof, rigor. Uh, that is, three banks lack the required capital to pass this year's Dodd-Frank stress test, but Goldman Sachs, State Street, and Morgan Stanley did not receive failing grades from the Fed. That's according to the public results released last month by the central bank itself. Here's Powell discussing the outcome when pressed by Elizabeth Warren. As they both note, lack of a failing grade means the banks can give more money to their shareholders than they would have been able to give them had the banks failed the stress test. Take a listen. 
We gave them what we call a conditional non-object, which is okay, something we've done. Okay, but that's not a failing grade, right? They did not flunk. They suffered the same penalty, which was to have to limit their distributions to well, the prior years. That's that's what I want to ask. If you didn't flunk them, did you at least follow the Fed guidelines and make those banks submit new capital plans that would pass the test? No. In fact, when we do the conditional non-object, we don't. Them so to you don't require them to actually meet the criteria. We haven't in, in the many times we've used that tool over the years, we've not required that. In other words, the <clears throat> Fed looked the other way. You let these banks off with what you call a conditional non-objection, letting them distribute capital to their shareholders instead of keeping it on their books. In fact, because of your action, Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs investors took home about $5 billion more than they otherwise would have. That's a nice gift to the bank, Mr. Chairman. Five billion, not bad. I could use that. I know it's not a lot of money to Wall Street, but shit, I could use that. Yeah. The Fed has said they're not concerned about Goldman and Morgan Stanley. Uh, the two banks this year were hit with a one with one-time accounting losses that were included in the GOP's tax cut. But the legislation also gave banks a massive windfall, as Warren noted. She added that lax oversight also comes at a high cost, making this analogy. The Fed's capital requirements and the stress test are like a belt and suspenders. You can loosen the belt and rely on the suspenders, or you can loosen, take off the suspenders and rely on the belt. But if you do both, your pants will fall down. And Chairman Powell, <clears throat> we learned in 2008 that when the big banks' pants fall down, it's the American economy, American taxpayers, American workers who get stuck pulling them back up. <laughs> Not the best. I, I appreciate her, what she's trying to say. I thought she was going to say, when, when your pants fall down, the American taxpayers have to look at your dick. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, well, no, then the American pa the American taxpayers have to pull, pull up the pants. Up. But the pants, I guess you're like, they're pulling up the pants of someone else. I have a problem with the analogy because you just look like a big dummy if you're wearing both suspenders and a belt. Yeah, that's true. I don't I don't think the metaphor works. Uh, I get what she was going. Yeah, for, maybe though. maybe Senator Warren should have spent more time working on the metaphor <laughs> and less time this week saying that capitalism is actually good. <laughs> That's a great point. Finally, big news coming out of the International Criminal Court, the ICC. The body approved of a new statute that would allow it to prosecute wars of aggression. Politicians and military leaders could be tried for planning, initiating, and executing armed force against another nation in violation of the UN Charter. This courthouse news reports that includes invading, attacking, annexing, or bombing another state. It's also a crime to militarily block another country's ports or coasts, allow third-party countries to use your nation, your nation's land to then attack another country, that would be illegal, and to attack using armed bands or mercenaries. That would mean that actions such as the U.S. invasion of Iraq or Russia's annexation of Crimea would now be illegal under the ICC. However, the statute is not retroactive, nor does it apply to countries that aren't parties to the ICC, like the United States and Russia. These new statutes also won't apply to nations like France and the UK, who are signatories to the ICC, but have not adopted the new amendments making wars of aggression a crime. So far, only 35 of the 123 members of the ICC have ratified the new statute, including Germany, 
Belgium, and Uruguay. Hey, that's a. I mean, that's not nothing. No, G- not Germany, at all. Germany, big country. I mean. Big country. A lot of NATO. A lot of uh, NATO assets in Germany. So that means if, uh, well, it's not retroactive, but say it passes, and then George W. Bush two invades Iraq again, then that means that George W. Bush two would get arrested in Germany, <laughs> or Belgium, or Uruguay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how it work. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think George W. Bush could be tried in front of in front of the ICC. I I mean, I also don't think he's doing a lot of travel. <laughs> I think a lot of Bush administration people avoided traveling to Europe because of uh, war crime statutes. But uh, hey, I don't know. Let me know. Call the rant line. Speaking of the rant line, that is going to do it for the newscast. Before we go, we'll check out some messages. But hey, shout out to directing Titan. Who's watching us? He can't watch with the sound because he's at work, but showing some support for the show here. Sorry, I just burped. I've been drinking LaCroix. <laughs> I just burped. Uh, uh, thank you, Directing Titan. I didn't mean to be rude there. Ivan says, five billion must be an awful cross to bear. <sighs> can't imagine. I mean, we're talking, uh, what is that? That's Chapo money, practically. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, one message to get to on the rant line. Let's see. Hi, it's your hero, Elon Musk. I've been having all of my team at SpaceX listen to every podcast to make sure that they mentioned me enough, and uh, they they informed me that you haven't talked about me at all or my latest exploits. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, I've I've single-handedly saved a team of uh, Thai children by putting a, a submarine through a cave, and then. In the same day, I exposed a British a supposed rescuer as being part of a, a pedophile conspiracy. So I think you should uh, spend a little more time focusing on me and how important I am because all this other stuff you talk about seems very boring. Anyway, I have to go. Bye. Not the first time Elon's called uh, into the show there. No, we also uh, had a uh, clip of him addressing a tech conference, didn't we, for one of our Sentinel cast uh, opens there? Yeah, so uh, his staff hasn't been advising him very well because we do talk about Elon on the show yeah. uh, pretty often. I'm glad to see that Elon has uh, taken his victory in the Worst Tweet Tournament Meltdown May edition and continued melting down online through June and now into fucking july well done elon i have a well feeling done. he will uh make an appearance on this week's garbage can nominations we can only hope call the rant line 202-684-6108 sponsors of the show include the congressional dish podcast hosted by jen briney find it at congressionaldish.com other sponsors levelnews.org and citizen capital Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends to listen. Also, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Five bucks a month. Get you access to bonus content, the weekly Sentinel cast. You can watch the live stream of this podcast. You get your own haiku. You get to participate in garbage can proceedings, all that good stuff. And you get to support a news co-op in Washington, D.C., which we're at here in DC, so you don't have to be.